Well, good morning. We're here in week two of our Jonah series, and Grace Marie's song was so powerful. You're at the center of my heart. And that was Jonah's big struggle because God was not at the center of his heart. And that's why he was running away from God's purpose. And maybe you can relate to that today, that you struggle with having God at the center of your heart. I know all of us at times wrestle with loving God with all of our heart, mind, and soul as Jesus commanded. So as we look at Jonah this morning, I want to recap real quickly week one for those of you who might have not been here. Trevor was in here last week and I was in the sanctuary and we talked about very similar things. I talked about the monsters of Nineveh, those uh, sadistic people, a terrorist state that Jonah was called by God to go and preach to and a daunting call for sure. Modern day Iraq was where he was being called to go and, and perhaps to people like ISIS, go and tell them that I love them and that I want them to repent. And there we see the mystery of God's mercy that the God we want is often different than the God who is. This wasn't the God that Jonah wanted to follow. He wanted to follow a God who would strike dead the Assyrians, but that was not the God who is. Judas had the same struggle. Judas wanted to follow the Jesus he wanted, not the Jesus who was. So therefore we have a missing messenger that disobedience will derail your destiny that Jonah's destiny is in jeopardy because of his disobedience. And then we find ourselves today with a man overboard. Because of his disobedience, he ends up going overboard in the ship that he was trying to escape to. I'd ask you to stand together as we read here at the end of Jonah chapter one, getting ready to dive into chapter two. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Our gracious God, I thank you that you have made us so that the only thing that can be at the center of our heart is you. It is the key that unlocks our purpose. It is the key that meets all of our needs. So Lord, may we wrestle with what we have at the center of our hearts. And may we find you to be the one we desire the most. Give me words to speak. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we begin to unpack this story this morning, I wanna talk about the big fish in the room. A whale of a tail, right? In Jonah 2, it says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. 
inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me, I called you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. So let me ask you a question this morning. Is this a fable, or is this really a fish? Now, I'm going to tell you that this story is not just about a fish. This story is not just about the message that Jonah was to take to the Ninevites. It really is a story about the messenger, about how this man named Jonah is running from the will of God, from the purpose of God. And when it comes to fable or fish, I made a simple decision a long time ago when I was in seminary. When it came to hard questions like this, hard questions about natural law and miracles, I made a decision that our God is a big God. And our God can do anything he wants to do. Can I get a second of that? Our God can do anything he wants to do. He doesn't need my approval. He doesn't need my acceptance. And the Bible has always been about more about who than how. If we get hung up on the fish, we might miss who is at work here. Don't get hung up on the how and miss the who. Don't miss what God is saying because you don't understand how a fish could swallow a man for three days. But I believe that God can do whatever God wants to do. I'm not going to be quite as harsh on you as uh, this email that I got from Joyce Hazelton earlier this week. She said she heard this. The lady was reading her Bible, and a man saw her and asked if she really believed in what she was reading. She said, of course I do. Then he asked her, what about Jonah and the whale? Do you, do you believe that story? Yes, I do. I believe every bit of it, and, and even though I don't understand it, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah about it. And the man said, well, what if Jonah doesn't get to heaven? And the lady said, then you ask him. <laughs> Fable or fish? Dead or alive? I mean, there's some debate whether, whether Jonah drowned, and then the fish swallowed him, and then God brought him back to life on the third day. Or was he alive for the whole time in the fish? I don't know. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him, what was it like there? What was that about? You see, miracles, by definition, very simple, are suspension of the natural order of things. And in this increasingly secular world, we have a hard time with miracles. The miracles is when the natural order is suspended and there are extraordinary events that happen that God does on purpose for advancing his kingdom and revealing his glory. So I think that sometimes we miss miracles because we try to explain everything away. Now, before you totally dismiss this story as a fable, or was Jonah dead or alive, let me point you to Matthew 12, verses 39 through 40. But Jesus replied, only an evil and adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give you or give him is the sign of the prophet Jonah. This is Jesus speaking. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. 
I'm kind of like this when it comes to biblical interpretation. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Jesus refers them to Jonah, the guy who was in the big fish for three days and three nights. Now, I think it's safe to say that nobody in this room has ever been in the belly of a well. But I'm guessing that many of you have felt like you've been at the bottom of a barrel. So what do you do when you find yourself swallowed by a well or at the bottom of a barrel? Now, as I read the text here this morning, I read about a downward spiral of despair, a feeling of being overwhelmed. And I want to be clear that, that Jonah's downward spiral didn't begin when he went overboard. It began when he ran from God. That's when the downward spiral began in his life, when he ran from what God wanted him to do. And I, and I will say to you, if you're trying to figure out what happened in your life and why things seem to be so messed up, if you feel that way, maybe you want to go back and look at when you first began to run away from what God wanted you to do. It began when he ran from God's call and went down to Joppa. And from there, he went down into a ship and from down into the ship, into the belly of the ship where he was sleeping in the midst of a storm. And now we find him going down to the depths of the ocean. And maybe if you're feeling at the bottom of a barrel today, you can relate to his words. Verses three through seven from the message paraphrase. With ocean waves and ocean breakers crashing over me, I said, I've been thrown away. Maybe you hear this morning, you felt like you've been thrown away. You've been cast aside, thrown out, out of your sight, God. I'll never again lay eyes on the holy temple. Ocean gripped me by the throat, the ancient abyss grabbed and held me tight. My head was tangled in seaweed at the bottom of the sea where the mountains take root. I was as far down as a body can go and the gates were slamming shut behind me forever. Yet, you pulled me up from that grave, alive, O oh God, my God. When my life was slipping away, I remembered God. When my life was slipping away, I remembered God. Now, can you imagine the horrors of his first sensations of sinking into the deep, of all the oxygen leaving your lungs, the feel of the lining of the fish inside the fish, the, the, the irritations of the acidic juices beginning to bleach his skin, can you imagine the smell and the darkness and the fear? As far down as a body can go. Can, can you imagine the confusion like seaweed wrapped around his head? So many times when I talk to people who are at the bottom of the barrel, they are so confused. They can't see what's up. They're, they're, they're consumed by their situation. Don't know what to say or what to do. Now, I want to talk about two scenarios this morning. When you feel like you're in the belly of a well or at the bottom of a barrel. And the first is when you're there and it's not your fault. Now, 
that's not the text of Jonah today, but I realize there are people here today who feel like you're in a place of despair. You're at the bottom of the barrel and it's not your fault. What do you mean it's not my fault? Well, maybe you were deceived. Maybe through deception, someone took advantage of you and you ended up in this downward spiral. Maybe it was a disaster that happened in your life. Something that you were not expecting, a curveball that you didn't see coming. This past fall, whenever the floods hit Conway and Lynn's mom and dad's house was flooded, it was a disaster they didn't see coming. They, they had to leave their home and, and Lynn's dad and mom in their 80s and it was hard. It was a disaster. And when they had great help. We had teams from the church go down and help muck out their house and, and, and Wade McGuinn and others, great friends, went down and helped them rebuild and, and got them back in the house much sooner than everybody else. But, but it, it, it didn't feel right it was a disaster they hadn't planned on. And my father-in-law struggled with it more than anyone else because he couldn't go back home. Even when he got into his home, it was a mess and there were things everywhere waiting for it to finally get finished. One week after it was finished, everything put back together and my father-in-law died. And I think it was partly because he just couldn't handle the disaster. He, he just, it was more than he could handle. And, and uh, God took him home. And uh, he, he was set free from all that. So sometimes you feel like you're at the bottom of the barrel because of disaster. Sometimes it's because of disease. Or maybe it can even be demonic. You know, Jesus warns us that there is a thief who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And he'll do everything he can to put you in the bottom of the barrel. You know, I had some conversation with a couple of folks this week who are battling disease one who has uh, just come on the other side of disease and another who's near the end of the battle with disease. And I asked both of them, when you were battling your disease or are battling your disease, do you ever feel like you're at the bottom of the barrel? They said, absolutely. There are times whenever I felt like just, why me? How, how is this going to work out? I said, what did you do when you're at the bottom of the barrel and it wasn't your fault? And they both said the first thing I did was pray. If you look at Jonah, the first thing he did was pray. I cried out to the Lord. You know, the prayer that Jesus affirms is, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. <laughs> Lord, I, I need your help in my life. Prayer driven is one of our core values here at Mount Horeb. And I want to say to all of you, if you find yourself today at the bottom of the barrel, the first and the best thing you can do is pray. And don't pray alone. Get others to pray with you. I've been wearing this uh, um, uh, prayer band for, for Stephanie Malone for longer than I can remember now. I think it was last fall I put this on. And uh, I've never worn one of these more than a week, I'm, I confess. But this one hasn't come off. And it says simply on there that prayer moves mountains. And this past week, Stephanie, after going through two rounds of chemo, two surgeries, uh, her scans came back that she is cancer-free. Amen? Amen? We can celebrate that. Praise God for that. She's got another scan in three months, so I'm going to wear this three more months. I said, all right, I'm wearing this for three more months. 
because I want to I continue to pray you through that. But prayer is where you start when you're at the bottom of the barrel, where God reminds us I'm with you forever. And oftentimes they both said that we grow the most at the bottom of the barrel, in the belly of the well. They both said that when I'm at the bottom of the barrel and, and it's not my fault, I read God's word. I spend time reading God's word. It's interesting that if you look closely at the prayer that Jonah prayed here in the belly of the well, he's praying from the Psalms. He's praying the Psalms. He's praying the word of God. And sometimes when you don't know what to pray, pray the word of God. Pray the promises of God. Read great Christian books because another core value we believe in at Mount Horb is truth is essential. And when you're at the bottom of the barrel, you need to read some truth. Don't go with what you feel. Read truth. And the greatest source of truth is God's word. It'll speak to you. It'll carry you. It'll minister to you. And then the third thing is worship. They, they talked about how, much, how important it was to worship with God's people, but also alone, to worship with music. And then they both said this. They both always emphasized focusing on the needs of others, that there were people that were having more problems than they were having. One of the persons I talked to that's battling cancer for several, a couple years now, is this blog that they write. This blog they send out to people and they always share what they're learning, what God's teaching them in from the, from sometimes at the bottom of the barrel. And being in ministry to others is so important. I came across this story I wanna share with you. Is, uh, he's a Methodist pastor from Indiana. When he was 21, he was on patrol in a remote area of the Philippines. And late that night, on a motorcycle, he was broadsided by another vehicle. The occupants of the vehicle stole his wallet, stole his watch, and took off and left him there bleeding to death. And he said, I did something I hadn't done in a long time. I prayed. I prayed. Eventually, he was picked up by passing motors who took him to the U.S. Air Force Base. He lost both legs. A month in intensive care was followed by another 16 months in military hospitals stateside, 35 operations. He came out of the experience addicted to painkillers, deeply depressed. He spent seven years at the bottom of the barrel. He ended up in a homeless shelter in Indiana. And there's where he met his future wife, Jackie. She had a connection to God that I didn't have. She pulled me through, he said. And they were married. And one day, many years later, he was cleaning out his attic and came across two old prosthetic limbs. They were worn out and no longer fit comfortably. He was going to toss them in the trash. He had this nagging feeling. You know those nagging feelings you get not to do it? He called several companies and said, hey, can I donate these old limbs that I don't need anymore? And they told him, throw them away. We don't need them. We got enough as it is. So he got on the internet and started doing a search and he started a project called Operation Arise and Walk. And in his garage in rural Indiana, he takes in used prosthetic limbs. He repairs them, he restores them, and shifts them to third world countries that are littered with anti-personnel landmines. He includes in that pack little drills and wrenches and casting material because the American-made prosthetics are a lot larger than the ones that the people need in third world countries. He said, it was like a voice that said, start this project and the limbs will come. You see, when you find yourself at the bottom of the barrel, pray, read God's word, 
worship and find a way to make a difference. Find a way to use that experience to help others, even when it's not your fault. You know, I want to say this, that um, when we find ourselves at the bottom of the barrel, it's where we find God's mercy, that God is with us in our pain. I love this passage out of Hebrews 4. I, I share this passage with people more than any other passage of Scripture. I want to read it to you. So since then, we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. Now, that's really important. When you're at the bottom of the barrel and it's not your fault, hold firmly to what you believe. Don't let your feelings convince you that God is not there. He is with you. Hold firmly to what you believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God and there we will receive his mercy and we will find his grace to help us when we need it the most. My friends, if someone's here this morning at the bottom of the barrel and it's not your fault, don't let your feelings keep you there. Get into God's word and know that Jesus Christ is with you and that he will walk with you through that experience. He will provide a way out, a way forward. Now, what about our text? What about if you are at the, in the belly of a well and the bottom of a barrel and it is your fault? It is your fault. It, it is your disobedience that derailed your destiny. Jonah knew he was at the bottom of the barrel. He knew that it was his fault. He knew that he was finished. He knew that he deserved justice. He knew that his life was over unless God intervened. Now, if you were at the bottom of the barrel in the belly of a well and because of your disobedience, you're never going to get out of it unless you understand that the only way out is God's grace. That God is your hope this morning. He calls out to God in prayer. He seeks to repent and rededicate his life. Tim Keller wrote a great book on Jonah called The Prodigal Prophet. If you want to read a book on Jonah, I encourage you to pick it up and read it. And he says, this is a hard message for our culture. Our culture does not want to recognize that without God, we are hopeless. That without God's help, we will remain at the bottom of the barrel or the belly of the well. I believe it's something that we have incorporated into our culture called shallow grace, a very shallow grace that's based on a superficial morality. You see, in this post-Christian culture, we've been taught our main problem is low self-esteem. If I can just feel better about myself, that I can get out of the bottom of the barrel, that, 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 that you shouldn't make me feel guilty. Don't, don't say anything to make me feel shame because... I'm really not that bad. We're taught that mor morality is now relative and no one has a right to make you feel guilty. That you get to determine what is right and what is wrong for yourself. And the Bible's message that we are guilty sinners comes across as oppressive, evil, and dangerous. And that grace is no longer necessary. It's even offensive. Why do I need grace? Because I'm not that bad. I get to decide whether I'm bad, not the Bible. I get to decide 
I know what's best for me, not God. Not Jonah. He knew there was divine justice and he deserved it. Verses three and four, you threw me into the ocean depths. I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. And then I said, oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Paul said it this way, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. My friends, all of us in this room are sinners and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And this superficial morality results in a superficial spirituality. We, we think that somehow we have the capacity to repair ourselves, that we can fix ourselves. If we work hard enough, watch enough uh, TED Talks, read enough books, spend enough time on social media, we can repair our relationship with God. If I tweak the truth, I can feel better about my rebellion. I can justify my behavior. Not Jonah. Jonah stands condemned for his sin. And without God's divine intervention, he would be lost. My friends, today we need to know what saving grace is. We need to know what supernatural salvation is. We need to know that we're sinners at the bottom of the barrel and we can't save ourselves. Our only hope is to be saved through God's gift of salvation found in Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the truth of the gospel. And if, you, if you're hearing anything else other than that, it's not God's word. Amazing grace only becomes a reality when we acknowledge that we deserve nothing but condemnation to be condemned, that we cannot save ourselves. And while we were yet sinners, God loved us enough to send his son to save us. We need to be able to declare what Jonah declared in, in verse nine, for my salvation comes from the, from the Lord alone. It is the Lord who saves me. I don't save myself. I don't read a book and save myself. I don't go to a conference and save myself. I'm saved by inviting Jesus Christ into my mess. You see, the fish was not meant for Noah's destruction. The fish was meant for his deliverance. And what God brings into your life is for your deliverance to help you overcome what you struggle with. Now, let me read to you some words of Jesus. Because there were some would say that, you know, we just need to focus on the words of Jesus. I believe we need to focus on, the, on all of God's word. But let me read to you the words of Jesus from Matthew 7. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though the crowds of people do. The way to life to God is vigorous and requires total attention. And then from the message paraphrase, John chapter three, beginning with verse 18. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. No one. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. And God did not go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. Now, here are the words of Jesus. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. 
Anyone who trusts in him is forgiven. Anyone who trusts in him is a new person. And anyone who refuses to trust in him has long since been put under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind son of God when, when, son of God when introduced to him. And, and, and I love what 19 says. This is the crisis we're in. This is the crisis we're in. God light streamed into the world, but men and women everywhere ran for the darkness. And they went for the darkness because they were really not interested in pleasing God. My friends, we need to be clear that God loves the world so much that he knew the world needed a savior. Why? Because all of us are sinners. All of us, all of us in this room have been at the bottom of the barrel. And I would be there today except by the grace of God. It is God alone who saved me. It wasn't anything that Jeff did. It wasn't becoming a pastor of a church. That didn't save me. Jesus Christ saved my life. Jesus Christ can save your life. Now, in closing this one, I want to give you just real quickly some lessons from the belly of a whale or the bottom of a barrel. Don't expect others to have the same bottom you have. We all get to the bottom of a barrel in different ways. We all have our struggles. We all have our challenges. Don't prevent others from reaching their bottom. So many times we want to keep somebody from getting to the bottom of the barrel. We want to stop somebody from experiencing the belly of a whale. But sometimes that's the only place that God can get their attention. Don't derail that. And then don't forget your bottom. <laughs> you don't want to go back there. Remember what it was like to be delivered from the bottom of the barrel. And use that experience to keep you on the straight and narrow. And use that experience to help others escape their bottom of the barrel. And then know this, that deliverance is not always easy. It's not easy to be delivered from the belly of a well. And one of the most uncomfortable passages for me as a dad growing up is that God said to the fish, spit him out. And then in the midst of vomit, I hate that word, in the midst of vomit, Jonah was delivered. It's not easy to be delivered, folks. You can't have victory without sacrifice. You can't have love without commitment. You can't have dreams without goals. You can't have provision without vision. And you cannot have a resurrection without a crucifixion. It's not going to be easy. And then deliverance is not always immediate. <laughs> you know, when we think we're delivered from the bottom of the barrel, it's not always immediate that things come back together. Think about it. Jonah got spit out on a shore and he had 300 plus miles to go to Nineveh. God didn't spit him out in Nineveh. He spit him out 300 plus miles from Nineveh. He said, all right, now go at it. Let's get this doing. Let's, let's get going together. You know me, I'm, I'm a fan of the 70s music. Grew up in the 70s. One of my favorite bands in the 70s was a band called America. How do you remember America? Horse of No Name. How about that one? Ventura Highway. I Need You. The band won a Grammy in 1972. Dan Peake was the founder of that band, the lead singer. He was a believer. He was a Christian. He started the band when he was a first year out of high school, and they became an immediate success. And he says, 
I went from having nothing to having everything I wanted. And I abandoned everything I believed about God for a lifestyle. I abandoned everything I believed about God for a lifestyle, a lifestyle of excess. I tried everything to fill that hole in my life. I got to the point where I was so strung out on cocaine and drugs that I was a trash dump of chemicals. I had everything I needed to make me happy, everything that was supposed to make me happy, but I was miserable. And I remember, he says, when I hit rock bottom, I was in my million dollar home looking over at Malibu on a 200 weave Persian rug. And I realized how empty I was, how far from God I was. And I got down on my knees and I repented. And I cried out to God and said, I don't need any of this stuff. All I need is you. And Dan Peake left the band, left it all behind, gave his life to Jesus. He started a Christian rock band and did several Christian albums. And he rewrote one of the biggest hits called All the Lonely People. I was going to play it for you today, but the way that Facebook is, they kind of don't like us to do that. But the chorus is, the words are, this is for all the lonely people, thinking that life has passed them by. Don't give up until you drink from the silver cup and give your heart to Jesus Christ. This is for all the single people thinking that life has left them dry. Don't give up until you drink from the silver cup and give your heart to Jesus Christ. This message is for all the lonely people who think you're at the bottom of your barrel Don't give up this morning. Don't give up this morning until you drink from the silver cup and give your heart to Jesus Christ. And if you're at the bottom of the barrel and it's your fault, I want you to stop running from God. I want you to stop treading water. I want you to stop hurting yourself. I want you to stop hurting others and drink from the silver cup and give your heart to Jesus Christ. There is a future after your failure through Jesus Christ. If you're at the bottom of the barrel and it's not your fault, I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for God's comfort to be all over you. So let's pray together. Father God, You know that some here and some of us have been running from you. We've been chasing all the wrong things and we find ourselves at the bottom of a barrel. We have all kinds of excuses and all kinds of reasons and all kinds of justifications and we've hurt people and we've crushed lives. We've made a mess of things. But Father God, you have sent as a fish that you want to deliver us this morning you want to restore us this morning and father you call us to repent you call us to say father god i confess my sins i ask you to forgive me and in jesus name you are forgiven father god you have the power this morning to set everyone in this room free from anything that is keeping them from being the person you've made them to be. 
And Father God, I pray for my friends right now who are battling in a, in a place at the bottom of a barrel because of a disease, because of a disaster, because of deceit. Father God, they feel betrayed, they feel left out, they feel hurt. And I pray right now, Father God, that they will run to your throne of grace and that you will help them right now in this need. And Father, that all of us this morning would be aware that there are people around us that are at the bottom of a barrel and that you've called us, just like Jonah, to go to Nineveh, to go to them and share with them your love and your mercy and your grace. Give us the courage. Give us the call. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're gonna worship and sing a great song. Let the Lord speak to you this morning that, that, that he is enough. Let's worship together.